0: what is up guys hello welcome back to the rambler with your host me that is mike mcdonald hello out there hello uh, to all my amazing listeners all around the world i can say that i can say that because i have the stats to back it up we have listeners in the u.s in the republic of korea that's south korea for you people who don't know i have listeners in canada I have listeners in Australia. I even have listeners in the Philippines, if you believe that. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Anyways, I'm happy that you joined me today. I'm happy that you're here to listen to my interview with Christina Allager. Christina Allager, who is formerly the co-president of KAHI, the Korean Adoptees Association, in Hawaii. Uh, And she's great. She's great. She's a very sweet lady. I'm very happy to talk with her. Did I say lady? Yes. She's a lady. You know why? Uh, I may not be a gentleman, but she's a lady in that sense of the word. Uh, She's living it up out in Seoul. She's having a good time teaching English at a Hagwan, and she's uh, willing to share her experience with us today. And and moreover, and and a little bit uh, more impressive to me, other than just living in Seoul, which is already an impressive feat to begin with, living abroad, uh, she got a fellow adoptee, Korean adoptee out there in Korea to uh, provide some music for the show so providing some music aside from the uh, typical intro that we got going on is Benjamin Kaz. I hope I'm saying that right Kaz, cause 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 he's a South Korean adoptee from the United States from Duluth Minnesota you ever watch those commercials uh, the Duluth Trading Company commercials I think those are hilarious uh, some people haven't seen them I think they're funny if you haven't, you should look them up. They're on YouTube, and I think they're on their website, too. Anyways, uh, Ben has a degree in social work and will be pursuing his master's degree in social work in Chicago in March. So staying in the Midwest, in the windy city of Chicago. Yeah, stay warm. All right, Ben? I mean, if you're from Minnesota, I guess you're used to it. But, God, I feel like, I don't know what it is, but Chicago, maybe it's the lake effect. Have you seen those pictures of the lake effect? You should Google Image search lake effect pictures. But Chicago is insane. I I feel like it's colder in Chicago just because of the wind. I don't know. Anyways, currently Ben is residing in Seoul, South Korea. And has lived there for four years. That is a long time. He's been teaching English and studying Korean there. And he is the guitarist and the vocalist for the Seoul Haebongcheon-based indie band, A Collective Effort. Uh, Moreover, if that's not impressive enough to you, I think that's pretty impressive. He is also a b-boy and a member of the soul-based crew, Soul Seekers. Anyways, you can check out his uh, music on SoundCloud.com. Look for a collective effort music, and uh, you can hear a bunch of different tracks from Ben. Uh, but you know what? We're here because we're going to start talking to Christina Alger. Uh, what's been going on? What's been going on with me lately? I don't know. I'm in Orlando, Orlando, Florida, home of Disney and uh, Universal Studios and uh, Mini Golf among other things Uh, and, and you know what I'm having a good time out here so far I, I just ate at this great restaurant I don't know if you've ever heard of this place if you ever go to Orlando and you don't feel like eating at Disney one day you should check out this place Cask and Larder you could look it up at caskandlarder.com C-A-S-K and Larder like like fat lard, L-A-R-D-E-R. I had a, a dish called a cobia, and it has, like, some pork in there and some duck fat croutons, and it's just amazing. In any case, I am out here in Florida. If anybody out there is from Florida and would like to uh, interview in the future, please feel free to uh, send me a message, and uh, you can you can do that. And I'll, I will relay that contact information on the back end of this show. Anyways, uh, let's get started with the show for uh, Christina Alger and music provided by Ben. Not this music, though. When you wish upon a star, makes no difference where you are. Did you like that? Did you like that singing? Yeah, nobody does. All right. Hey, let's get started with the show, all right? Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, Let's talk with Christina. Christina.
1: Okay, so yeah, today actually is supposed to be the coldest day of the, the year so far. Um,
0: oh, how cold is it?
1: Um, well, currently I think it's probably about 9 degrees, but it's like feels like negative 11.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't miss that. I remember I remember <laughs> that. And I I, uh, I mean like I like the cold. I'm a cold weather guy. Um, Mm. so right now we're in the middle of a blizzard and I'm kind of, I'm Mm. into it. I'm like, I shoveled the driveway for like an hour or two and I was like, yeah, this is me getting my gym on, like (laughs) shoveling snow. But, uh, you know, if it's like, I I remember being in Korea and, uh, being on like a mountain Mm. (laughs) and Mm. it's even colder up there if you can imagine. Right. And it was like, I think like negative 10 or negative 20 with the wind chill. Yeah. And I was like, that's... <laughs> this is rough. Like, this is too cold for me.
1: Right. Well, and the thing about the weather here is that, at least for me, number one, it just feels colder. Like, something just cuts through the bone about winters in yeah. Korea. And then, yeah. also, you just have to be outside more often, you know, because in America, you go in your garage and you heat up your car and then you drive your car to your work, your covered parked garage or yeah. whatever. Yeah. You know, and then you're like looking at the outside from inside. But you know, <laughs> here, you know, a lot of people don't have cars, so you're like outside waiting yeah, for the true. bus, walking to the bus. So you're like out in and the elements to too, right? So that yeah. can be um, pretty painful. So well,
0: in New York, I mean, we go through something similar, right? <clears throat> mm, so right, 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 uh, right. The most in New York, yeah, they, it's a very similar situation where you're waiting for a bus or a train or a subway, right. and you're just sitting there in the cold. And actually, today mass transit was shut down.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. They were like,
0: uh, yeah, all roads past this time are closed and uh, all rail above ground. So anything going basically to the outer boroughs and uh, Mm. New Jersey transit were basically shut down today.
1: Wow. (laughs) Yeah,
0: because they were like, we can't handle it. It's too much.
1: Wow. I mean, and that's got to say something because, you know, New Yorkers are usually like the toughest. Yeah, we're
0: pretty. I mean, like we're pretty used to it. So, I mean, we got a good uh, I'm a little bit north of the city. And when I shoveled the driveway, it was at least a foot of snow.
1: Okay, that's pretty substantial. It was pretty good. It was pretty
0: good. It wasn't like, you know, blizzard in 96 conditions. I mean, I was a kid. Mm. I remember my sister like digging tunnels through like our front yard. (laughs) Oh, wow.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Um, Well, the thing about Seoul too is that like it actually doesn't snow that much. So, you know, you're freezing cold Mm -hmm. and it's like there's no beautiful snow around. So, it like doesn't make sense. It happens very rarely. why? Yeah, so, I mean, there were flurries yesterday, and there have been flurries, and there's been a bit of snow, and, of course, that means ice, but, like, there hasn't been enough to make it, like, so, oh, it's so beautiful and (laughs) white, and, you know, at least he has something beautiful to look at while we're cold, so that's been kind of a bummer, I guess, Um, Mm -hmm. but, yeah. I remember, like,
0: uh, yeah, so being on the side of the mountain or being in the winters, I spent two winters in Korea, and being so happy when it snowed, because that means... It was mm-hmm. warm enough to snow.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. Snow warms it up. Yeah. yeah
0: it was like, oh, that means precipitation <clears throat> can happen. Like, right. When it's too cold, <laughs> right. like it's just right. a biting wind. And yeah, you can yes. feel it in your bones. You're just like, oh, no. Yes.
1: yes. No, and I actually was so smart to plan a shopping trip yesterday yeah, <laughs> in the frigid key. temperatures. And I was outside like in these temperatures and like my legs were just sore and you know, I haven't worked out in like ages. So it wasn't that. (laughs) So it was definitely like the fact that my muscles and bones were like completely reacting to the cold in an arthritic type of way. You're not like doing
0: (laughs) the legging thing. I went out in the leggings today. I went out in my thermal tights under uh pants oh, and yeah. like thermal socks because i was like no nah, yeah not. it's not even that cold here i think it was like 25 oh. degrees and it feels like oh, yeah. 12 or 16. oh yeah it's nothing <laughs> yeah it's nothing i'm like oh yeah this isn't gonna be so bad and i was like actually sweating while i was like oh shoveling yeah, snow. yeah. Almost that worse. stuff works really well mm-hmm. yeah i mean i feel like clothing and technology in terms of heating have come so far
1: Right, it's not cumbersome. It's not like you know you can barely feel it under your clothes. Yeah, yeah. Uniqlo is like infamous for yeah, their heat tech, so their heat I tech. have, yeah, heat tech all the way. So actually, I got it on sale right before this like cold, uh, nice. cold front. So yes. you know when it goes on sale, it's pretty reasonable. So not, I just live in that.
0: It's not expensive either. It's pretty cheap. I I mean, yeah.
1: Well, on sale, nine thousand nine hundred won, and then regular price anywhere from like twelve to yeah, anywhere from like twelve to twenty five
0: dollars. It's really affordable. Super cheap. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. All right, so it's cold there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Wait. So wait. You grew up in Hawaii or Oregon?
1: Okay. So I spent the first few years of my life in Hawaii Uh
0: um,
1: as a baby, and then I well. My parents and I moved to the Bay Area, actually, for a couple years. Okay. And then we moved to Tucson, Arizona. So we kind of moved around a lot. So not cold at all growing up. In my early elementary years. Well, and then we moved to Oregon when I was in fourth grade. So most of my childhood was, was spent in Oregon. But, you know, Oregon has pretty mild temperatures you know like it yeah, just I, rains
0: all the time i don't imagine it gets like really because i don't know i i don't really know that much about the uh pack northwest area
2: mm-hmm. so my cousins okay.
0: moved out to seattle which i feel yeah. is, is like uh on the same or a little bit of a lesser version of, of portland and i don't mean that in any offense to any of your listeners who are from portland <laughs> <laughs> or, or, or Seattle. Um, I met up with some okay. people last night who were, came from Seattle to New York, and they were just like, yeah, Seattle's not that great. And I'm like, you guys got, got like the rock and roll Ooh. museum. And I mean, <clears> the <throat> 90s was all about Seattle. Oh, yeah. And they were like, I mean. Uh, yeah, they they were not happy. And I was like, I like Seattle. Oh. I've never spent a lot of time in Portland, but <clears> I know uh, Portlandia does it. I think I feel like it does it some cool justice.
1: Mm, it does. It does. I was actually pleasantly surprised. But, you know, there is a little bit a little bit of a, of a rivalry. I don't know if that's the right word to use. But, you know, no, between think, the yeah, between the Oregonians and the Washingtonians, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, but yeah. but the weather, I mean, you can compare the weather and people won't get offended because the weather is very similar, you know, all throughout all throughout that region. But um, is it as yeah, rainy
0: the, or misty in in Seattle or Portland as is in Seattle?
1: Yes, if not more. Yes.
0: Re- so more? the thing,
1: the thing that got to me is the gray sky. You know, like you get to kind of get used to the rain, but the gray skies—you don't see the sun for you know months on end, at least from what I remember. And um, I also am not a lover of rain, so that—that's a problem. But it's not even
0: like real rain. It's just like, I, yeah, my um,
1: sometimes it's image drizzle of it is gray yeah.
0: and drizzle.
1: Yeah, sometimes it's it's real rain, but yeah, you're right. I mean, a lot of times it is just drizzle, but it's wet, oh, yeah, and so that's yeah. why it's so lush and green and beautiful. But <laughs> you know, you have to you have to pay some sort of price. So sure. you know, all the people, most of the people that that live there, you know, love to do outdoor activities, which there are like so many options to do in Oregon oh. and Washington. So yeah. I mean, you live for the outdoors. and I feel like, go.
0: yeah, Portland and Seattle are very organic cities. They're, like, all about mm, Crunchy Grinnell, yes. uh, go bike riding, yes. hiking, kind of stuff. Yes,
1: yes, yes, yes. <clears throat> yeah, and I think that they've been sort of, like, in the forefront of being sort of labeled a green city as well as, like, yeah, bike friendly right. as well as, like, weed conscientious and... <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, has, yeah. I, I know Washington has. Has Oregon also passed, like, a weed yes. legalization?
1: Yes. So, so they're good. I forget when it exactly passed, but I believe it it, it, it um, actually was official on, like, July 1st of this past year, 2015. Oh, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it's, like, up and running, and I've heard just some stories through friends that are there. So. What are the
0: stories? Good stories, on um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, just like vague stories but you know just that some people are growing now you know in their homes legally sure. and mm-hmm. um i think that they have tried to open up some recreational dispensaries which you know are crazy for us folk that grew up in the era of it not being legal and so to go into sure yeah. like a cafe or something and have all these options available to you and not you know um have it be you know any sort of penalty or anything. Sure. It still it still takes some getting used to, but yeah. welcome. Have you welcome. gone back since
0: yeah. since it's been legalized, or have you been in Korea this whole time?
1: Um, yeah, so I actually am a horrible daughter, and I haven't <laughs> made it back <laughs> to see my parents since I've been in Korea, which has been a year and a half now, almost to the date. Have so, they come out? No, um, actually, so my parents have both been to Korea. We took turns, like my sister and my mom went on the. Holt Motherland tour in early two thousand and then my dad and I uh-huh. went the year after. And then um so they got a they got a preview of, of Korea sort of and then um you know, my parents are very, very supportive and supportive in my life and whatever, you know, they really support me and like doing whatever makes me happy as That's long as awesome. I'm safe and not hurting anybody or whatever. I'm, you know, they want me to, you know, do what I want to do. So they're very understanding and they're the ones that are like, no, you know, you have this, all these other opportunities right now of places to go and, you know, you're so much closer to all these other places than you were ever be. So don't come visit us, go to all these other places. Um, which, you know, just is awesome, but it makes me miss them more. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah. So,
0: maybe it's, maybe it's their way of being like, they're going to make you miss them.
1: Mm, Well, they've been pretty, they've been pretty constant for the past, like, cause I haven't <laughs> lived near them since high school. Yes. Yeah, so it's been a while. Oh, okay. Um, so they've been pretty constant cause uh, yeah. So then after college I moved out to Hawaii, um, in 2005, so. Um, yeah, I've been pretty much away from them ever since what high your, school. So
0: okay. So what do your parents do?
1: Ah, okay. Well, so they're not as young as they used to be. Sure. So <laughs> just like all of our parents. All so of my- our
0: parents, yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, it's weird, right? They're they're getting older. So
0: I mean, my we mom all is retired. Are. We, all, we are. all
1: are. No, we all are. You're right. <laughs> I definitely am in that category. I'm not going to lie. So... My
0: back was hurting when I was shoveling snow today. I was like, this sucks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. And my legs were hurting when I was out in the cold yesterday. Yeah, yeah and you're so just like, this, I, is, I
0: totally this is what understand. it is now. This is life.
1: <laughs> right, right. Um, so my mom is retired. She's been retired for about five or six years now. Okay. So she still does some part-time work. Uh-huh. Um, but she is... Retired from the state system, state education system in what, Oregon, what did? and then uh, she's a social worker. Okay. Yeah, so she worked for Head Start. Um, oh, that's and she awesome. Did, yeah, she specialized in uh, kids age, well, birth to five, so really young uh, kids. So now she actually goes around the country and does Head Start reviews. So cool. she'll be, you know, she'll request, you know, for like um Hawaii or um Saipan <laughs> she's gone to she's gone to all the to all you the know, awesome all the vacation hotspots. Yeah. Sure. But actually she'll have been to, you know, I think forty eight states um with Holy this crap. work. Yeah. So all wow. around the country, literally. So That's awesome. she still does that a few times a year. Um and then my dad is still working. He's never gonna he's never gonna return. So He's a pastor, so I'm a PK. <laughs> oh, all
0: right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so some people don't know that, but he's a very liberal PK. So it wasn't like I grew up in a very conservative household. Is that like household. a, a um,
0: what, like Unitarian or? Um, so it's it's it's
1: UCC, United Church of Christ, and mm-hmm. so they are like open and affirming to gays um, and transsexuals and stuff. So uh-huh. um, not what you know. If I say my dad is a pastor in in Korea, and I tell someone that here, that means something very different to them than yeah, yeah. what he actually d- does. So, so yeah, he's been doing Mountain Hood Hospice work and um, having a church out in um, Gresham, Oregon, for over you know twenty years now. So, cool. yeah, so, yeah.
0: Wait, so what brought them over to Hawaii?
1: So my dad was, you know, so they were in their early twenties in in the seventies. And they were, wait, yeah, I think I aged them correctly. That's right. So they were, <laughs> uh, my dad was protesting the Vietnam War. So he was doing church world service. Uh-huh. So he went out, he went out to Hawaii to do church world service. I mean, what could be better than that? He was from Ohio. He hates the cold weather. Um, you know, his family is very conservative. He's not. He, he, he took it as an opportunity to go out west, go, go out and explore new, new opportunities. So he ended up in Hawaii for that. And then my mom's sister, she has an older sister, and her sister was already relocated in Kailua, Hawaii. Um, she, they both grew up in Santa Monica, California. So um, my, my mom just moved out there to, to live with her sister um, and to help take care of her niece. Um, and that's, how, that's what got her out there. And then my parents met in Hawaii and got married in Hawaii and then, quote unquote, had me in Hawaii.
0: Well, do you know how, how did they meet?
1: Um, so at a party, uh, a mutual friend invited them, both of them, to a party. And I think it was with the thought in mind that they might like each other. And oh, is this
0: like they were they were being set up by friends? Kind
1: of, yeah, kind of. Like without being told that they were being set up, but they were both invited to this party like <laughs> kind of with the idea in mind that they might like each other. And then the rest is history, yeah. That's so.
0: adorable.
1: <laughs> yeah, so my parents were like barefoot hippies in you know hawaii in the 70s and early 80s
0: that's awesome
1: um and yeah i really feel like that shaped um who they are and who i am so i always felt ties to hawaii
0: so now you're a barefoot hippie
1: um i'm an <laughs> undercover barefoot hippie an like under... i wear shoes and i you well, know you have
0: to in korea right now for well sure.
1: right right i mean even when i was in hawaii i'd wear slippers but <laughs> like you know, I'm an undercover hippie, actually. That's what I like to be called.
0: Well, okay. So uh, we met uh, when I was going to uh, Hawaii for work. I was right. transitioning over right. there for, for, I think, like a week or two or something like that for right. some training. Um, and were you, you were the president of uh, Kahi at the time? Is that right?
1: um, Co-president, actually, co. So, so the co made it like more palatable to me. I was like, ah, I can't be (laughs) just president all by myself. So the co, um, you know, two of us with that title um, took some of the pressure off. But, you know, it was actually more like a shared board. Okay. You know, it was, it was really, um, not just a title, but um, everyone in the, in the board at that time really did a lot of work. And so, I mean, we had a strong treasurer and vice president and secretary. And, you know, so there were other members of the board as well. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I was co-president and I was trying to think of the years that that was. And, you know, it's amazing how difficult that is oh, God, to yeah. recall. Uh,
0: that must have been. Um, well, I came out there <sighs> in 2012, I think.
1: Okay, so I believe that I was co-president from 2010 to 2012 or 2011 to 2013, something like that.
0: Okay. It was in there. Would would you consider yourself the public face of Kahi during that time?
1: Mm, One of them. Yeah, one of them. Because I feel
0: like I don't know why – or maybe I went on Facebook and I just said like, hey, I'm coming to Hawaii. Would anybody Mm -hmm. like to – uh, meet up and you were the one who mm-hmm. answered
1: yeah sure i mean i'm pretty active on social media so that might have had something to do with it and i think i kind of knew who you were already through our mutual friends oh, so really? i was even more yeah well you know like gina and and marissa yeah, um, yeah,
2: yeah so
1: i think yeah but no i am pretty active on i was pretty active on social media on the kahi site back then too so anybody that would risk resp- you know would post anything i would try to meet up with and then you know some of the other um board members are married or have kids or whatever Mm -hmm. so you know i have neither so um (laughs) i was i was more available to meet up for dinner well so that's
0: why i think i i messed up because uh at the time i think the way i asked if anybody if there was any event going on or something like that was that i said Mm -hmm. hey i'm gonna be coming to hawaii in like next week or the next few weeks or something like that would anybody like to hook up and, whoa
1: whoa and, and i responded okay now i'm my yeah yeah because you responded and then i
0: think you like <laughs> private messaged me and was like what do you mean by hookup <laughs> and i was like i just meant like hang out no Is there event going I, on? I knew what you meant and you yeah, were but, like but... i think you were like okay because hookup means something different here and i was just like <laughs> i didn't mean like i know what that means in some circles as like i didn't right. i wasn't thinking i guess when i posted <laughs>
1: right no i think i was just maybe trying to maybe give you a little grief but yeah i think i knew what you meant but uh, maybe you shouldn't just say that just to like alleviate all that yeah you
0: know. i was like oh yeah. this just got so get awkward. together so hang out
1: have dinner you yeah. know there's so many other ways well that's what yeah. we ended
0: up doing is that i think i ended up going to a group dinner
1: right right it was a small group that time but i remember and that dinner.
0: Moksha and a couple of mm-hmm.
1: ben was there yep Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's now um the president and ben he's so willingly Nodland, and, right? and, Nodland? Yeah, Ben northern from Minnesota. So yeah. he took over after um well actually, you know, yeah. So he took over after um I left. And then Charlie Texera, she's been constantly also a part of the board and the pres co presidency side. So um and then also, you know, Peter Savasta, who's actually originally from New York.
0: Yeah, I remember in New York.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So he was one of the founders, also of the New York group, and so he has a Mm -hmm. lot of history with um, adoptee groups. So he's been so integral in our group, and you know the bylaws, and you know becoming a nonprofit organization, and
0: you know planning to get planning to
1: gatherings. So actually, Kahi's going to celebrate its tenth year this year, 2016.
0: Wow, are they having a thing?
1: Yeah. Um, So yeah, we are. They are having a thing. Not a big thing, not like a, not like a New York, not like the New York group is doing. but um, yeah, a little thing because actually, you know, we just had our gathering, I still say our, <laughs> We still had our gathering <laughs> okay. last, you know last October. Uh-huh. So you know, everybody's pretty burnt out from that. and yeah, um, I, you know, a lot of people can't make two Hawaii trips in one year, which is completely understandable. Sure. So I think, yeah, whoever can make it, they're gonna have something I think around April. April? Um, probably just a monthly dinner or something. So right yeah. around the
0: same time as the AKA 20. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Not to be in competition with it at all. I mean, I figure we get different kinds of people. But yeah, it's not it's not anything close to what you guys are planning well, in I, any way.
0: So also in competition is what I heard. is uh, the, Have you heard this new organization, Kindred?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And they're having something um, in April too. In New uh, York City the same month
1: really yeah. well maybe if it's not on the same day maybe that could coincide with people's trips they could come for
0: both well i would hope so i'm not sure what the yeah. days for kindred are uh i okay. guess we have to ask uh jenna ushkowitz or uh, yeah
1: sam Sa-
0: sam footerman yeah.
1: yeah yeah they were both out in hawaii actually to um in support of twinsters so
0: yeah that's the movie yep.
1: that we premiered at our gathering too so
0: oh that's awesome yeah, yeah. I think yeah, we have some we people in AKA. I, I'm saying we as well. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, that are in touch with them, um, mm-hmm. so I'm sure mm-hmm. they're coordinating what's happening with yeah. each gala and the dates and, right, right, right. and stuff like that.
2: Right, so right, right.
0: Anybody who wants to find out more information on that can either look up Kindred on on Google or also known as .dot org, and then Kahi's website is what. Um,
1: Kahi Hawaii. Dot org.
0: <laughs> K-A-H-I, yeah. right? K-A-H-I, yeah. So is that Korean Adoptees Hawaii?
1: Yep, Korean Adoptees of Hawaii, yeah.
0: Okay. So um, h- h- was that already an organization when you joined, or did you help start that?
1: Yeah, so actually I was not one of the founding members. Um, Peter was. Jian um, was, who now lives in Seattle, and um, um, <laughs> Gian Litku. So yeah, yeah she's uh, now, now in Seattle. But... Um, Miju, Katie Pites, she was the integral okay. part of the um, organization starting. So she um, she started the group. And then after she moved to Korea <clears throat> in 2009, um, you know, Charlie, Texera and also Amanda Lowry has also been very integral in the group. So they both, uh, Amanda and Peter and um, Charlie kind of took over. And then I... Became part of the board in 2008. So, right around the time of the gathering that we planned in 2008, I became part of the board. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of was on the board for a couple of years and then co president. And then I myself moved to Korea. So, it's kind of a running joke that like all the past Kahi presidents moved to
0: Korea. <laughs> so, <laughs> is that what's Ben's been
1: happening? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So me, you, then me, then whoever. We'll see. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Ben. Ben's yeah. next. Watch out.
1: Yeah. Ben. Yeah. Yeah. Watch out. <laughs> Whether you like it or not.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So. Yeah. uh So your parents met in Hawaii, mm-hmm. and then they decided to. They got married. I guess right. Mm.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and they had a beautiful ceremony on the beach. With Liz. Um, <laughs> I'm they, making all of this up
1: Yeah, no, I mean it was beautiful It wasn't on the beach, it was on the church property Which is um, about five minutes away from the beach um, But yeah, totally kind of hippie wedding No shoes um, You know, it started to rain a little bit At the end of the ceremony Which is like a Hawaiian blessing So, you know, Aww. they're still together However many years later So, you know, maybe yeah. that really is, yeah um, and then I have a young, one, one younger sister She's also adopted from Korea But we're not biological She's been mm-hmm. in Las Vegas um, For the past, oh gosh, five years or so Oh
0: shit, really? Yeah, Where Vegas in, like, What does she do in Vegas?
1: Um, yeah, so she works for um, a credit card company And she's one of those really fun people That you get to talk to when you call your credit card company Like on the <laughs> Discover
0: commercials
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like yeah call the She's Discover calling
1: commercial people like who are late for their bills and,
0: you know, oh, sort of so a question, like-
1: <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So she's kind of jumped around with different jobs, but yeah, she seems to, okay to, to be really good at that. Yeah. Talking on the phone. So
0: sure. Yeah. Also, I didn't so. know they had a call center out in Vegas. That's where they were based.
1: Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. She actually lives right around the corner from the strip. Her
0: oh, shit. very,
1: yeah. Very conducive to, um, you know, the Vegas lifestyle. Yeah, so. Sure. She's having fun
0: out there. My friend Shayna lives out there. She's out uh, dancing and, and magic shows and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah. I like, have gone out to. Vi- I haven't been out there in a little while, but last time I was out there, she was in a show over at Caesars uh, doing a magic show, and then I know she's been in this other show, Voices, which has been traveling around the past year, and she like went to Canada and all these different places.
2: Ah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, and then she said she knows another dancer out there who's also a a Korean adoptee. Okay, yeah, no,
1: we're everywhere. I mean, we've invaded (laughs) it. (laughs) Yeah, no, we're everywhere. It's really funny because I've met adoptees in all types of situations, and like Mm -hmm. some completely unexpected. And you know, um, even even here in Korea, you know, there are plenty of us here that are just kind of going around incognito. So (laughs) um, and in Hawaii too, it's harder to find. The adoptees in Hawaii, of course, because of all the...
0: Well, there's so mix. many Asians in Hawaii. So.
1: Well, that and, you know, everybody's mixed and everybody has uh-huh. like different kinds of last names. So
0: yeah. people aren't alarmed,
1: you know, by a certain last name. They think, oh, they must just assume that your dad is is Howley or a.k.a. Caucasian, you know. So,
0: uh-huh.
1: yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So in Hawaii, it's it's easier to sort of fly under the radar as well as as well as here in Korea. Wait,
0: so do you say your sister was younger or older?
1: Yeah, she's four years younger. So oh, okay. she's thirty, which is old, which means that I'm
0: <laughs> older <don't>, than that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I just celebrated my thirty first birthday and I am like still trying oh, to know. Yeah, that
1: <laughs> You're still in your in your in your you know
0: I know in your low thirties, so don't worry I, about it. I heard it. Yeah. I think I sent the invite out for the party and I was like, now that I'm deep into my thirties.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, so annoying.
0: <laughs> I know, because yeah. uh, everybody who I've always hung out with, which is like, you know, Marissa, and Hyun, and I'm, I'm name dropping, mm-hmm. but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I've always been the baby of the group, basically.
1: Mm, and now it's okay. like, well, I'm
0: getting older, so what does that mean for all of you? Oh,
1: wow. Oh, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah, you, are, you are that, that baby who decides to just rub it in. <laughs> oh, yeah, I
0: rub it in full on, full on.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> okay, okay. <laughs> so,
0: uh so what prompted your parents to adopt?
1: Yeah, so um you know it's funny because I didn't actually find out the truth and it's not like they were hiding it from me, but I mm-hmm. didn't really ask, I guess, until I was like in high school. So I had always just assumed and the story had kind of always been that just my mom was physically unable to have children. So I did hear the story of how her fallopian tube burst and she had to be rushed into the emergency room. And it was just an excruciatingly painful story. Um, so I always just kind of assumed that, you know, she just, you know, medically couldn't bear children. But then we were having a conversation just randomly one day in the car. I remember when we were, when I was in high school and, and she said, you know, no, I it could have tried again. You know, she's like, I had one more Philippian tube. I could have tried again. It would have been very risky and it could have been ended in, ended in the same way. But I could have tried, but I just didn't want to. And it wasn't just that she didn't want to. She had my mom my mom and dad had had already had the idea of adoption in, in the back of their heads for
2: okay.
1: for many years. And then um, also, you know, they had um, well they have Good friends that also lived in Hawaii at the time, and they had just adopted a girl from Hawaii uh, from Korea, and she was so cute, and she was like, yeah. you know, this like walking little poster child. So they also got inspiration from her, and they joke around and say that, you know, their biological children would have been much. Um, you know, uglier and had a lot (laughs) of like medical problems, which I mean, of course my sister and I don't know our medical history, but you know, my mom and dad both have lots of, you know, diseases that are, that run in the family. And, um, so that would have been just a known thing. And so they, they kind of joke, like we would have never had such attractive children, like, (laughs) and healthy children if we hadn't adopted. So, yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh
0: all right, awesome. So that—that's what prompted. And then you were adopted through whom?
1: So it was or a small agency, Hawaii International Child (HIC), in in Honolulu, Hawaii, and it's mm-hmm. still in existence today. However, they don't deal with adoptions from Korea anymore, which I oh, think okay. is. Good. Um so I actually volunteered there when I was living in Hawaii mm-hmm. and um we had started to we had tried to start a mentorship group actually with in conjunction sort of with them. Um most of their most of their adoptees that they hold events for um are Chinese uh girls. Uh-huh. Um you know between the ages of 5 to you know 20 or so. Um, And then they also work with some other countries, Ethiopia, uh, Kazakhstan, if I'm saying that correctly. Yes, Um,
2: yeah.
1: Yeah, so people, I guess, in Hawaii really love adopting babies from Kazakhstan because they look mixed. And so Mm. I've heard that they actually try to match up the family with a child who resembles them. Now I'm not sure how detailed they get into that but um so yeah i was involved a little bit with them when i was in hawaii i served on a couple of panels for them when they have their new parent new parent orientation yep. um i found myself having to bite my lip a lot and uh you oh, know yeah? just try to say what i knew that these parents all they could handle um but well, yeah wanting what, what to what did you bite your lip about well, you know, they 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 treat you like sort of a specimen of like, okay, you're you're you know, you're an adoptee, so you'll know how my child is gonna feel. So can you tell me <laughs> how I should deal with this problem? It's like you know, um, I can tell you how I dealt with it in my own life, but I can't speak for the child that you don't have yet. Yeah. So yep. I want to just say that every experience is so individual. And um, just to reiterate that, and like you know, this is my experience, but this might not be your child's experience. So just having to reiterate that. And I think that, you know, they all are very well-meaning of course, but, Mm -hmm. um, very naive, you know, and, and the, the few hours that they're required to attend these sessions and things are, you know, I don't know if it ever would be enough know for having a birth child either. It's like nothing is enough, you know, nothing's going to
0: prepare you (laughs) adequately. I've, I've I've said similar things when I've done those panels too. Uh, I, I uh, refuse to bite my lip about it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I haven't done it for a very long time, but it's basically the same thing. It's like, well, you know, my experience is going to be vastly different than than your kid's experience growing up. Right, right, right. And that's a factor of a multitude of things is, you know, you as parents, and I don't know any of these parents, are probably going to be raising their kids differently than my parents raised me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that comes down to values and environment, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the same thing with uh, my experiences. I just I grew up in a different environment than kids are growing up in today, right? Right. Um, you know the the I I grew up in the the birth and the uh, I guess adolescence of the internet, right? <laughs> and right, now right. it's pervasive in it's in everybody's right. pockets and it's pretty much right. attached to our brains, right? So right. It's right. a it's a completely different environment. I, just, I mean, just the factor of this podcast, right? Like. Uh, right. As a resource, if people are listening to this and they're parents or prospective parents or adoptees or people somehow related to adoption in general, they wouldn't have something like this before right. that they would now have access to. They would have been required to go to a certain amount of you know, workshops or pre-adoption uh, home services and stuff like that. Right, right. And it, it, I, I just think it's completely different than what it, what it used to be.
1: Well, right. Definitely. And I think that I've I've witnessed that in a lot of ways, too. Like, for example, you know, with the mentorship group that we wanted to start out in Hawaii and we we always, you know, had the premise of like we felt there were times, you know, in our I think I can say our, you know, in our adolescence and in our preteen years where we felt completely alone. And like we Mm -hmm. we don't want. Any of the any of the younger generation to feel like that because yeah. now now they have us as role models. Now you know that could be good or bad, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, they <laughs> but have, at least it's real. They have they have someone to look up to. Like so, I have this this theory about siblings. Like um, actually, so my sister and I are not too, you know, uh, uncommon of a case where there are two people adopted from korea separately not biological one is Mm -hmm. older one is younger and i found that i gravitate and most of my good friends that are adoptees and non-adoptees alike are the older sibling just because that role um also comes with you know responsibility and you're like the first child you're treated differently um and then the second child comes along so so some of my theories are that you know the older child all the friends that i know not all, most. Most of the friends that I know that are that are adoptees that also have a younger adopted sibling, the older child is more often than not, more involved in the adoptee community and more interested in finding about out about their Korean oh. identity. And I'm not sure if that has to do with the fact that they had no role model of you know, above them. So it was up to them to sort of be the pioneer in that and to sort of they were interested they needed to you know do all that research and and lay all that groundwork whereas the younger sibling did have us to look up to so even if we didn't talk about stuff you know we were there
0: yeah that's interesting um, and
1: so yeah so I've been trying to do sort of my own like little self-study about like my friends and their um, siblings because I know a lot of my friends siblings as well as my own sibling has no interest in talking about adoption or oh, yeah anything adoptee related um mm-hmm. we did come to korea together in 2007 and stay at koreut an amazing adoptee um guest house in yeah, korea I love and um and then we and so we met her birth family together and that was one thing oh, that we wow. were never that yeah we were never super close in the sense that we don't talk like every day but mm-hmm. um we always said that like if we are if either of us find we want to do that and share that together so wow. we were able to do that which was really special that yeah. is
0: special i mean i i don't uh, so I'm the older sibling and I have a mm-hmm. younger adopted sister as well. Mm, okay. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, we both went to Holt camp as kids. Right. Uh, but I think I'm way more involved than she ever was. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. had I not lived in Korea, if she ever would have gone to Korea, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. So she came out to visit with my parents while mm-hmm. I was living there one winter, uh, over like Christmas break, basically. Um, and that was good, but yeah, she she I don't think still she's very interested in uh, being involved with that kind of stuff. So we actually yeah. haven't even talked about uh, if one of us searched what the other one would mm, do and stuff like that. Right. Just, well, I mean, I feel like we've actually gotten <clears> closer <throat> as we as we've gotten older, but we're not uh, like that. That conversation never really happens. Meanwhile, my friend mm-hmm. Shannon that I mentioned before, who's in Vegas,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I feel like. Her younger sister right now, who's uh, probably listening to this podcast because she's emailed me a few times,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but she is getting more involved, I feel like, with the whole adoption thing and process than, than uh, my friend Shana has, who mm-hmm. like, is opposite. So she's older. She's the oldest. Well, she's not actually the oldest because I think has two older brothers who are natural born to her adopted parents.
1: Okay.
0: But she doesn't really like talk about any of that kind of stuff until recently. And she only talks about it really with her sister. Right. And her sister is the one who I think is broaching the subject more and more now.
1: Right. Right. But it'd be interesting to hear,
0: uh, what, if you end up doing research on that, what the results would be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's really just been like a self like study about my friends, but yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. And also, just like that, each yeah, each each experience is so individual, and and each yeah. con- like access point of when, you know, adoptees um, decide to or become open to talking about adoption and open to hanging out with other adoptees. So it's it's so different for each person, and, and that's and, a
0: big leap. I feel like.
1: Yeah. Right. 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 It is, and so I know some people like me who are sort of like forced into it at a young age, and so you know, of course, <laughs> Were you of course, I protested. I was forced into going to Holt Camp and like going to Holt Family Picnic and like meeting Grandma Holt and like um,
0: and this is when doing you were that whole in, thing. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So Oregon. Oregon.
1: So we lived in like the capital of Holt, which is, yeah, like, which was in like Eugene. The, so the yeah, we would drive center. a short like two hours south and go to all these events during the summer. So at first, of course, since I was being forced to do it, I hated it. Yeah. Um, so then after I started to make friends, Then I started to love it because then I was like going for my friends. It's like, okay, I still don't love talking about adoption, but I want to see my friends. Um, So it became that. And so then now that totally shaped who I am and how nowadays um, adoption and adoptees are just an integral part of my life.
0: Wait, So you ended up coming to the New Jersey camp. I did, I Which did. Which is, like, so, super far from Oregon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I was, like, that awesome a counselor that they flew me to New Jersey and Nebraska. Nebraska I was lucky I feel like enough
0: is, to go it's to closer Nebraska. closer to Oregon than New Jersey
1: is. I mean, there's, neither of them are close, but I sure. think that they were wanting um, counselors, of course. Who and was the director at that time? Todd Quapish.
0: Okay. Yeah. He's so, awesome. Todd
1: Kalpish, Tui Buckner, and Dave McClary. Yeah. No idea what happened to Dave McClary. It'd be super awesome to hear from him. Actually, Tui and I kept in touch, and he's been living in Ho Chi Minh City for the past few years now. From what and I, I might hear, Dave is him.
0: retired. He's a retired Marine now enjoying mm, the highlights okay. in the D.C. area.
1: That's awesome! Yeah, good for him. And like Saul Tran Cornwell, I'm not so I'm not sure if I'm supposed to drop names like this, but Saul Tran, so yeah. yeah. So like the 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 original crew, I sure, feel like yeah. we had we had some some summers together. So I can't remember exactly how many summers I did that, but I would do yeah the Oregon camp, the New Jersey camp, and the. Nebraska
0: did you go camp. as a, a camper too, or were you just a counselor? There? I
1: did. I did. I went from camper. Had to skip one year. And then I was able to be a counselor. at. What Synergy. camps did you go to? Um, As a camper, just <clears throat> Oregon. Yeah, yeah, as a camper. Yeah, just Oregon. Yeah. Um, but made so many good friends there and actually some I still keep in touch with. Yeah, of course. Um, I feel like yeah.
0: for me, and you, know, you have no way of knowing this as a kid, but they've turned right. out to be kind of lifelong friends.
1: Right, right, right. Right. And people you just share that experience with, like... Even though you don't necessarily talk about it,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know that you've been involved in that in that life and in that community for that yeah. long, and yeah. it's it's really um, assisted me in my comfortability in you know talking about adoption and you know helping me actually too with living in with living in Hawaii and also you know sort of seeing that as a stepping stone to Korea. So that's um, awesome. Obviously, I mean, like I'm not super involved in the adoptee community here, but. All my friends, if well, the majority of my friends, good friends here, are adoptees. Well, then I feel and... like you're
0: involved, whether it's, yeah, it's organized yeah, or not. You know, if your that's friends true. are mo- yeah. the majority are adoptees, then you're right. in your community.
1: <clears throat> right. And then I do love attending um, goal events and korut events and hearing yeah. about what track track is doing in Kumba. I mean, there's a lot of really what great organizations out here that maybe like not everybody has heard of, um, or maybe just haven't been able to keep in close contact with just because it's like Mm -hmm. a little bit farther away, but yeah, doing, they're doing some great work out here. So it's really nice to be sort of like, you know, being able to see that firsthand living Mm -hmm. out here. Yeah.
0: So wait, we're going to go back again. So (laughs) (laughs) how how, I just want you to quickly describe how it was growing up in Hawaii and Portland.
1: Mm, Okay. Well, Hawaii, unfortunately, I don't really have a lot of memories because it was just for, like, my first three years of life. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I do wish, I have, you know, I have wishes that, oh, it would've, what would have been like if I could have grown up in Hawaii and been local? And, you know, because even if you, I lived there as a baby and then I moved back, you're never considered completely local. Sure. And it's not, like, a mean thing. It's just how it is.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so,
1: you know, I spoke too properly, and I just didn't understand everything about Asian culture and I just, you know, there's only so deep I can get. Um, so that was, but, but it also aided in my comfortability of moving back there. So I always felt ties to Hawaii. And, you know, anybody that's even visited Hawaii, Hawaii stays with you.
0: I love Hawaii. Hawaii is, place is awesome.
1: Hawaii is not only beautiful, but it's so culturally rich. Very and rich, Yeah. You don't really realize that like when you, I mean, of course, you know, you go to Luau or you go to, you know, whatever, but. Yeah, that's just the
0: surface touristy stuff, I feel like. Right.
1: I mean, that is a way of retelling history. But if you go to like. People um, are like, let's
0: go to Duke's every night. It's like, I don't want to go to Duke's every night. Yeah, (laughs) no, no.
1: I mean, if if you talk to some Hawaiian people, if you learn to dance hula, if you learn some of the actual hawaiian language which i which i needed to to teach it in the elementary school level if you learn about a little bit more about the history and about the people it's fascinating and it's so yeah. new too mm-hmm. you know to think that there was an actual kingdom um you know living and working that wasn't that long ago is pretty mm-hmm. pretty mind-boggling so yeah so then growing up in Oregon was, you know, it just depends really on the school you go to and the neighborhood that you live in. Cause it can be very diverse. Okay. So I went to the small, pardon?
0: I said, what about your experience where you, where you grew up?
1: Right. So I went to this really small, um, Catholic elementary school in Northeast Portland, which is not known as, as one of the greatest neighborhoods. Um, it's a little bit ghetto, <laughs> um, the, the public school is not, not very well known. It's not, so my parents didn't want to, um, put us there. So we went to St. Therese elementary school from fourth grade to eighth grade. So in my class of 30 kids, you know, there was me, <clears throat> there were two Filipino kids. There was one African-American girl. There was, you know, um, um, one like You know, a few Italians. I don't know if you can count that as
0: diverse, but... um, (laughs) It can be, depending on where you are, for sure.
1: (laughs) That's true. So, I mean, we had a few Filipinos. We had a few Vietnamese. We had... um, My sister and I. um, We had a few African-Americans. So there were handfuls of of diversity. So Uh I don't... Um, I didn't experience really strong racism at school. It was just mild teasing. Of course, I had glasses and braces, and I was a big dork. But other than that, it was just, I think, normal sort of childhood. Well, that last part
0: hasn't changed. I mean...
1: Mm, well, I mean, I'm I'm like an adult dork. That's different than yeah, a yeah. child dork. It's, it's <laughs> so much more acceptable. <clears throat> yeah, I'm like proud to be a dork as an adult, but as a kid, like I
0: feel you know, like it's sorry. easier now than ever before to be a dork. Mm-hmm.
1: Very true, very true. Um, and then high school, I, I decided to go to this like really prestigious, um, really um, uh, Catholic and Wait, conservative you high school. I did, I did, I did, and um. You know, even when my parents said, OK, you know, this is the tuition and we don't know if we're going to be able to help you with your college. I was like, OK, it doesn't matter. I could totally didn't think it through.
2: Um, but I <laughs> what, don't what regret my
1: experience either. The draw was that it was elite. It was prestigious. It was known as the best high school or one of the best in the city. Um,
0: for you education? Know. Pardon? For education?
1: Yeah, for education, for sports. Um, you know, it was a Jesuit high school, so it's Catholic,
2: Which one was um,
1: it? and actually years, only the year before me, did they start allowing girls. So, you know, oh, wow. for that, the ratio was really good. <laughs> 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 um, so, and so, you know, in that high school, it wasn't super large. I had a graduating class of like 250 and I could count how many people of diversity there were on two hands. So it wasn't super you. diverse, including me. But I didn't experience racism. You know, where I experienced racism was actually at my summer job at a community pool. Okay.
0: Um, what was that? So what was that?
1: Um, well, it was like the looks that I would get from parents because I was a swim instructor and a lifeguard. So, you know, I had people's lives, children's lives in my hands. Uh-huh. And I, I remember I was co-teaching. I they didn't co-teaching. think Koreans could swim or... You know, I don't know. I figured they would do the model minority thing, but I guess that doesn't work in the pool. But um, <laughs> they, yeah, so, you know, I had some weird looks i had never gotten before. And um, one particular incident was where I got called a racial slur, which was, which wasn't even for the right ethnicity. I mean, you know, of course is. they think, they, oh, they'll just think we're Chinese. Cause that's yeah,
0: all yeah, it. so, it's never the right ethnicity. Um, what, so that was just my, really what they eye-opening call you? to they me. they call you a chink?
1: I mean, it was it was of that category. I don't like to say that word, but yeah. Um, And it was really derogatory, and it was loud, and it was like super embarrassing. And I was like, are they talking to me? I'm not Chinese. Like, what does that mean? And so I got really upset about it, but I didn't really know how to feel or like what to do or who to talk to. So that was that was like. You know, I always knew I was different, but it's like, whoa. Okay, now everybody else knows I'm different. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like everybody probably Cuz I knew thought you were I was just kind of that. flying under the radar. You thought right? you were flying really?
0: You thought you were like I, I mean, I put my invisibility no, cloak I didn't... On. I
1: hoped. I hoped I was. I didn't cuz I was kind of quiet back then, so I hope. <laughs> oh um, no, that doesn't the, so... the
0: volume of your voice is what I learned does not matter, which is why I'm so loud.
2: <laughs>
0: mm, <laughs> I've decided yeah. to own it. I'm just like, look, you, you're, the way I feel about it, and I, I don't remember where I got this from, but somebody who's never met you before uh, already has a, a formed opinion of you 20 feet away from where you are. Right. You know? Right. So, so I'm, I usually just decide to take the initiative at that point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't, I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, I wasn't that savvy back then. I didn't really. I don't think I was savvy Pick up on either. it that that, but <laughs> I mean, in college I did. I so I kind of like worked it in college, like not in that way. Okay. Where'd you go um, to college?
0: Did you go to, end up going to college in Oregon too?
1: I did. So I applied to a few different ones around the country, but you know, looking at the out-of-state tuition and not even really knowing what I wanted to yeah. major, rough, and I couldn't it? really justify that.
0: Out-of-state tuition is rough.
1: It's super rough. It's like okay I'm not gonna pay that to go to a state school in another state yeah I'm just gonna go to my own state school so <laughs> I yeah so I actually am I'm a proud beaver um and I went to Oregon State University is in Corvallis Oregon yeah so it's like beavers versus ducks so you know University of Oregon is very well known for their football team and um for being sponsored by Nike of course and oh, yeah um, that
0: makes sense sure
1: yeah so I visited there as well and I visited Oregon State, and I, you know, I just got the right feeling. I just got the right feeling at Oregon State, so I was really happy there, and I really loved my college years. And um, What'd you, you know, study? of course, uh, early childhood development. So in you know, a little bit of human development, family science is what they called the college. So I did some internships, which I was really glad that they required that. You know, they required us to do uh-huh. a lot of um, about twelve credits worth of internships. Um, around the city. So one of them that I chose was at a preschool and it was just sort of on the list. I'm like, okay, I could try that out. I hadn't had a lot of experience with children uh, at that point. So I went and I loved it. I loved it. I I loved it. It didn't feel like a job. I loved playing with the kids. I actually like could communicate with them at four and five years old. Um, and so that actually is what led me into teaching.
0: That's awesome. And Do you feel like that uh, field of study had anything to do with your adoption or were you just interested in that because you like kids?
1: Um, Yeah, so I I have a hard time labeling things as adoptee issues versus just, you know, identity issues, development Uh issues, Uh Um, and I don't even know if issues is the right word to use, but of course we all have all of these things and so yeah of course I, I mean it can't help. It, it obviously shaped who who I am but I think that part of it is really just innate and in 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 being in the education field for like over 10 years now I just have I just have also witnessed you know you just meet some teachers and they're just really good at what they do and I don't think that that skill is is so easy to teach I think mm-hmm. that some people just have it and some people just don't. Yeah. And of course, yeah. you can better you can better yourself, of course. Um, but I'm just saying that extra piece that just you know makes those teachers stand out. So I've always strived to have that extra piece and to really show care for my students because you know they're spending more time with us than they are with their own family. So you become their surrogate parents. So this has not only been great professional experience, but it's also been really great parenting experience like for me is that
0: it's a parenting experience for you
1: for sure i mean i i definitely believe that their parents are their primary educators but you know especially teaching preschool and kindergarten like i did in hawaii you are also a very integral part in their in these young kids lives and you're hel- helping to form behaviors and mm-hmm. uh, understandings of the world and i didn't take that lightly So um, I really would um, try to just create this optimal environment of fairness, which I always hated when my dad said, you know, (laughs) know, life isn't isn't fair. Your sister's getting the same thing as you are, and it's just happening that way. I'm like, I always got so mad. So I always am really determined to make it as fair as possible and Mm. be as consistent as possible.
0: So... Did you, do, did you end up doing, like, the mentorship program, too, or standing it up when you were in back in Cahi?
1: Yeah, actually. So what we did is Charlie, Tech, Sarah and I, also the co-president, she and I um, started it. And so what happened was um, it ended up to be really, really small. And actually, that's what we wanted because we wanted to be able to provide, like, a true sort of big sister type. Big sister slash big yeah. brother type of experience for these kids. Like so a we thing. actually, yeah. So we actually decided that it would be best to actually um, collaborate with Big Brothers Big Sisters Hawaii, the organization, because you know they've been in operation forever, and so if there's any sort of mentorship model, I think they are very good at that. And we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. So sure, we collaborated yeah, yeah. and we actually had a fundraiser for Big Brothers Big Sisters. We actually met with their president who was very open and receptive to our ideas. Um, we had actually a lot of our Kahi members who were, who were interested in becoming a mentor. We had them and also us as well go through the stages that a Big Brother or Big Sister would go through um, to become a mentor for our mentorship group. So um, they allowed us to do that. And so what we ended up doing is we had about, um, two families that we worked with and then we had a few more express interest, but, um, one family in particular. So, you know, I'm going to keep in touch with them for the rest of my lives. I love those girls. Um, we, we would meet, um, we would meet twice a month and, um, we would do all different kinds of activities. We didn't We went horseback riding, ice skating, um, to the beach, of course, or in Hawaii. Um, we did crafts in my classroom because they love doing crafts. We went. We did gardening. We went to the farmers market. I mean, we did all sorts of stuff together. So we just wanted to become a part of their lives, and just so that they never felt like it's like they could look back and say like, well, no, I, I did know a person who was adopted. I'm not alone. So even if we could just provide that sort of feeling for them, that sure. was sure.
0: I think that's yeah. very important. You know, I I remember as as a kid feeling like I could only get that once a year for a week at Holt Camp. Aside from my sister and uh, uh, my friends who never wanted to talk about it in in elementary school and middle school, uh, that was it for the whole year. So I think the mentorship program, at least for AKA, where it's a month-to-month basis, it sounds like you did something similar or even more two times a month, uh, is awesome because it provides a very constant feed of that connection.
1: Right, right. And that's what we were going for, too. You know, maybe we're, we're serving less people, but we wanted to do it in a really um, thorough kind of way. And, you know, whatever the fam- to work with the family individually as well and to, to decide what their needs were and what their wants were. And yeah. luckily, you know, the family that we decided to to kind of pilot this program with was so receptive to our ideas and also agreed that meeting more often than not was beneficial and welcomed us into their home and to their family celebrations. I mean, mm. it really just became a, a second family. So, you know, when I go back to Hawaii to visit, just like I did in October, you know, they're one of the first people that I call and I want to awesome. meet up with them and yeah, see how they're doing. We send each other letters and pictures. And so I think it's really. Um, yeah, a great, a great, a great kind of program and sort of, I think every Kahi member was really receptive to <coughs> the idea. The only reason why they wouldn't be able to, to make that kind of commitment is if they had kids of their own or, you know, if they had, mm-hmm. um, mostly that was the, the reason, but, um, everyone else was really open to, to trying out that sort of program. So how big
0: is the adoptee community in, in Hawaii?
1: Um, okay. So at the time that I left, um, it was always hard to sort of gauge because, you know, we have a list of people who are on the list and that's international. So all the people that just want to know what's going on with Kahi. So that list is well over 100 people. Then we have the actual Kahi membership list or the people who pay dues every every year. Um, And so that would be anywhere from Thirty to fifty people, and oh. then you have the actual people who come to the the events on a regular basis, which could be anywhere, you know, up to like twenty five people. So, you know, it, it kind of is a revolving door. Also, the, the the community in Hawaii is pretty transient as well. Yeah, um, with people coming and going for military reasons and yeah, um, yeah. yeah, So, as, I mean, as you know, so so actually, we're one of the groups I think that always had a predominantly male. Presence, which I think is more rare, rare in adult yeah. adoptee groups. Yeah. So that was largely in part due to the military presence there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, people come to Hawaii and, you know, it's a fantasy. And then they realize they can't, like, get a sufficient job and <laughs> have the sort of quality of life that they are used to and want to, which is totally understandable because it's a limited, um, you know, sort of job market. So, um, yeah, so people are coming and going all the time. Um, so well, at any given time, it was the numbers kind of fluctuated.
0: That's funny because I feel like you could say the same thing about Korea, and oh, especially sure. off of Hawaii. Yeah. I feel like the yeah, it, it's very a parallel experience over there. Where a there's a big military community within Korea, obviously, because mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. huge bases and amount of soldiers there.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And B, it's a very transient community; people pop in and out. And see, it's very hard, I feel like, uh, for some people to find work in the area.
1: Yes, besides teach, besides teaching English or working, you know, maybe at a restaurant or something, it's very difficult, yeah, I would say, to, to, to break into other industries, especially if, um, you know, your Korean language skills aren't, um, yeah, so good, like mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, how um, did you make but... the
0: decision and when did you make the decision to uh, move over there?
1: Yeah, so good question, and I mean, I wasn't actually sure when you asked me to, to do the podcast. I I listened to Danny's and I listened to AK's, and I'm like, what can I offer? This, you know, <laughs> I, <laughs> I I only can offer my own my own experience. Well, that's so, all it is. Yeah. ask. No, and I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Um, and I'm happy to share whatever I can. So, um, yeah, so it, it had always been in the back of my mind, like since I had moved to Hawaii and I'd become more aware of my Koreanness. Um, and you know, I'd been, I've been able to be recognized for the first time as being Korean and not Chinese, not Japanese. No, I'm Korean. Well, what does that mean? Okay. I don't really know. So, um, I always wanted to discover more about Korea. I was always very curious and fascinated with Korea. But of course, it just seemed this really, really distant place, this really daunting place. Uh, I had no idea of how to conceptualize actually how living here would be. Um, My first visit was in 2001 with my dad on the Holt family tour, which I basically feel like I was looking in through this sort of rose-colored lens that wasn't really true in these five-star hotels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so that was it was a good, you know, first trip in the sense that I wasn't actually ready for more than that anyway.
0: Yeah, was it more um, like touristy?
1: For sure, yeah. Um, But but I met some great other adoptees, and we got to share that experience. So I don't regret it at all. But it was definitely a different type of experience. Yeah, my next yeah. trip was in 2007, like I told you, with my sister, which was a much different experience. Showed me a different side of Korea. I met my first European adoptees, which was a trip. Um, <laughs> from from um, which countries? Do you saying? Uh, yeah. So French. French adoptees, Italian adoptees, Swedish, Norwegian. Um, yeah, I just was in such awe of them. I'm like, you are like the coolest person ever. You're so Italian, yet you're Korean yet you speak five languages. (laughs) Um, I feel very inferior. Um, No, but they're all just so friendly and so um, outgoing. So it was an an amazing experience. So then my next trip was actually by myself in 2013 for the ICA gathering. And actually, that was my first ICA gathering because my only other gathering up to that point was the Kahi gathering in 2008. And at that point, we weren't an ICA member organization. So... Um, I'd always wanted to go. You know, 2010 passed me by, um, even the 2007 one when I was in Hawaii. And it was always because it fell my first week of school. So as a teacher, it would be, you know, pretty... Um, irresponsible of me, I so I thought, to be like, okay, I'm sorry, I'm not, that your teacher's not here the first week of school, you know, she's out in Korea, sure, yeah. gallivanting around, you know, probably drinking soju or something, so um, <laughs> I Naturally. didn't ever think that it was a possibility until I had been at my school, my same school, for about the entirety of my time in Hawaii, and I thought, you know, what's the harm in asking? I really want to go. What's the harm in asking? You know, she, the worst she can say is no, and then I'll know. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd ask a year ahead of time, you know, I'm, we're all about, teachers are about amount of time. Being prepared. Yeah. yeah. So, um,
2: I'd like I a was nervous. A year from now.
1: <laughs> I was really nervous to, to ask because not only was my, 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 um, boss was a nun. So she's very scary. Um, Wait, you were teaching at a
0: like a Catholic Catholic uh, school? Illinois yes,
1: school. yes, yes, Catholic school. So it kind of stayed in my blood. I went to Catholic elementary school, high school, um, you know, and then taught at one for many years. So. She's scary. Uh, just to put, it, <laughs> just to just to be
0: frank. Um, <laughs> like ruler slapping scary. What do you mean? No,
1: you know they're not allowed to do that anymore. Although she definitely would if it was legal. <laughs> but um, no, just more of the the sternness, the tough love, the 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 looks that she would give. The um, you know not being super warm. At- bubbly that wasn't her Uh, demeanor it was more just like about business you got to get this done and you don't want to disappoint sister and Claire oh my gosh (laughs) so um but I asked so I got up the guts to ask and you know I, I was surprised she said I never thought you'd ask I fully support you in doing this I know you wouldn't ask if it was just some frivolous trip I know this is important to you go
0: so <laughs> that's sweet. So that's, that's really, I, I yeah, so really I missed
1: nice. the first week of school mm-hmm. um which actually Next I year. had written a letter to all my parents, I had contacted them beforehand. I explained exactly what this was. I skyped in with them the first week to see how they were. Um so God, you it so wasn't responsible. <laughs> Oh, well, teacher, you know, it's like you yeah. have to be. Um so I was able to do both. I was able to go. So that trip, you asked me what made me decide to move to Korea. So uh-huh. that trip, um, I went. I came by myself. I, of course, had a lot of friends here, and I, like, met more friends here. But um, the actual, like, flight and, you know, accommodations and everything was just by myself. So um, – or making the accommodations, I mean. So I – had an aha moment, you know, what when was I was the, here was in 2013 agenda? and I was, I was going around on the subway like by myself, you know, cause it's all color coded in English. It's yeah, like it's super easy. easy. Um, but I was like, wait a minute. I could live here.
0: <laughs> like <laughs> your aha moment could, was on the subway.
1: I could do this. Like it, it showed me that I could do it. I had always put all these barriers in front, like, oh the language, the the you know, I wouldn't understand the culture, or I wouldn't be able to only eat Korean food all the time or blah 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 blah. The list goes on. So yeah. those are basically just excuses. So I was finishing out grad school actually, um, in I finished in December two thousand fourteen. No, December two thousand thirteen. Okay. I finished um, grad school. So um You know, I'd finished grad school, I was single, I thought to myself, it's now or never. (laughs) it's now or never you know i i also had this preconceived notion that i'm like going to be the oldest person that has ever moved to korea and like done this at this age i was pleasantly surprised that 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 is not true all of my all all of my yeah yeah, yeah, i (laughs) I didn't i didn't i didn't know that but all of my friends were all around the same age so i actually and it would have been such a different experience if i had to come straight out of college you know Um, i see those people here and i just oh yeah I just get exhausted just watching them. Um, I get exhausted
0: thinking about them.
1: Yeah. So actually, that's what really showed me that I could live here. And then I made the plunge. I took the plunge. I was also afraid to tell my principal, again, Sister Anne Claire. Um, Again, I rehearsed my speech, what I was going to say. I didn't want (laughs) to cry during it. I didn't want to forget anything. I practiced. I memorized it. I went in. I gave her my spiel. She sat there very calmly and quietly. I was super nervous. And again, she said, Christina, I always felt that this was God's plan for you. I always support you. If you ever want to come back here, you always have a job. Go. Wow. (laughs) So it was very powerful for me to receive that kind of response because I really cared about what she thought. And I, you know, she was my first boss and only boss for a long time. And I really respected her. Um, and I didn't want to disappoint them either. You know, I had just graduated from grad school and they wow. saw me as maybe a possibility of moving to administration. So wow. I didn't want to, like, disappoint them in that way either. Um, but I also wasn't sure if that's what I wanted to do. They so... must have
0: sensed that in you before. Yes. Her, so, so, so
1: she's not dumb by any means. And she's very, very... Um, you know, she's able to pick up on people sure. very I mean, quickly, and I don't think it, I was you know. trying to hide it. Right, yeah. right, right, and right. So um, yeah, so I mean, things just fell into place, and um, things just continued to fall into place. It was really weird. I I had I had heard about the Hogwan that I work for through a friend, um, and then I'd gotten referred to, to referred there through a friend. And actually, the, my boss, uh, the VP of operations, is also an adoptee. And I'd say um, 85% of the people that work there are also adoptees. So do I didn't they, have to do face...
0: They specifically cater to adoptees then, did you
1: say? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if cater is the right word, but they definitely are open to hiring adoptees because I do know that... They do know also that a lot of adoptees want to come and live in Korea for a while oh. and want, you know, a job opportunity. They do have a rigorous application process. So it's not just like if you get referred, you're going to get hired. That's not yeah. it at all. Um, I had three different Skype interviews along with essay and da-da-da-da-da. So... Um, they do a rigorous interview process, and then also, um, but but it it was nice to um, walk into sort of a western style management, mm-hmm. um, where, where I've heard horror stories of, you know, the job not being what they said it's going to be, or the pay or the housing or the oh, yeah. contract or whatever. So, you know, me not knowing anything about jobs and try to how to find one in Korea and not being here yet, I wanted to, you know, this seemed like the safe option. So it started out as the safe, safe option, but it's become so much more than that. It's become, um, really, uh, a really like, um, I don't know, just what, what word am I looking for? I don't know. Inspirational place to work. Like I've learned so much in my time, you know, at e-spirit. So, um you know i would highly recommend adoptees. like don't ever think you're too old to come to korea because i definitely thought that and that's very not it's super not true and super not true is that grammatically correct i don't know um yeah and (coughs) and also you (laughs) know there are job opportunities if even if you are not a native english speaker like some european adoptees, for example they obviously would like the same opportunities to come here but they aren't Mm. out you know they aren't qualified for Uh, Some of these jobs just purely for the fact that they're not a native English speaker and they have an accent, which is totally unfair. However, I do know a lot of, you know, European adoptees, and I'm sorry to just lump them all together like that, who have found such viable options to live here. So I really feel like if there's a will, there's a way. And if you can contact... If you can have a friend or if you can have an organization like Goal or someone to assist you um, like I did. So I had a lot of friends who are already living here and had lived here for a while. And we did multiple Skype calls and, you know, sort of gave me a checklist of things to prepare, checklists of things to you know, prepare before you leave America, first of all, and then what to bring to Korea, what not to bring to Korea. Mm -hmm. So I think that those types of resources are also available. So if you just reach out, you could probably find, you know, maybe one or two degrees of separation of someone and, you know, an adoptee who knows someone who has moved to Korea. So I, and I know a lot of my friends would be more than happy to like lend an ear or even a small piece of advice, like which subway app to download or something, you know, to anybody who is thinking of <laughs> moving here. Because it is very yeah. daunting in the beginning and, and not knowing the language, too. So mm-hmm. I just want to, I guess, send that message that, you know, even without knowing and being fluent in Korean, you definitely can have a very uh, fulfilling life here. And um, as I have found in the past year and a half.
0: Well, that's awesome. So yeah. did, what, you said it was East Spirit was the...
2: Uh... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, East Spirit is the hagwon and there are actually two branches, one in Apkuchung and one in Socho. So both south okay. of the river, both yeah, in very yeah. affluent neighborhoods. Like we we definitely are sort of a boutique, like hagwon, we cater to a certain clientele. Um, but it's also enabled us to, um, you know, have a certain reputation. So the reputation has grown in such a way that um, we don't really need to actually, um, recruit teachers anymore. They're just referred to us and as well as oh, students, awesome. um, it's just by word of mouth. So it's become, you know, uh, sort of mainstay in the, in the community, I think.
0: And are they hooked up with goal at all or, or how do they, uh, or how did you hear about it?
1: How did I hear about ESPirit?
0: spirit e-spirit, yeah.
1: Oh, okay. So actually I, I guess sort of in my adoptee friend network, um, I had heard about it through a friend, through a couple friends that I had met at the gathering in 2013. So it was through those friends who were living here, who we had mutual friends <laughs> in America, um, that I heard about e-spirit. So, cool, cool. um, they, so, yeah, they so kindly referred me and, um, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, any information that I can share about that too, um. I'm happy to. Um, and then, you know, eSpirit does also collaborate with Goal in the sense that they always, um, you know, advertise for certain of their events, you know, to, to the adoptee community and non adoptee community at eSpirit and um, also donates, you know, donates to the Goal fundraisers and to the Christmas party and things like that. So they definitely are, are connected.
0: Awesome. How did yeah. wait, so you explained how uh the I I guess this is like the the head and or your boss felt about you moving to Korea. How did you break it to your parents?
1: Good question. You know, it's funny because like when I when I was telling people that I was moving when I was in Hawaii still, you know, their first their first questions would be, Oh, how do your parents feel about this? <laughs> and and oh my gosh, you're never coming back.
2: <laughs>
1: Those are the two reactions. Are you coming that I back? Um eventually yes. Um I do really miss my parents and they are aging. Um but also yes, I'm coming back. I just I'm not sure when. Okay. Yeah. Um so um I Let's see. What was the question again? I'm sorry. Uh
0: how did your parents felt when you said that you Right. My parents
1: care. are super important. How can I forget about that? Um, <laughs> so um, as I said before, they've always been super supportive yeah, in whatever like I've wanted to do. Um, so moving to Hawaii was not a super crazy idea to them. Of course, they wanted me to be able to support myself, which I actually was able to... The job I set up to interview for the day after I arrived is actually the one that I ended up getting. So things nice. worked out yeah. in that way. And then um, I I'd, I'd, I'd sort of, you know fantasized about it with them, and sort of been like, you know we've always we've always talked about Korea. Um they've always had a fascination with Korea as well. So when I sort of officially told them, they were so happy, like they were like, Oh my gosh, we're so proud of you. We never had the opportunity to do that when we were younger. I think they just really value also just the international experience that I was going to get. And, um, also of course the adoptee piece and just being in the motherland and having the opportunity to possibly do a more in-depth birth search and for all these reasons. Um, and just the fact that they've always just so believed in me and just so like been my number one cheerleaders in life. They are nothing but supportive.
0: That's awesome. So you mentioned yeah. that, uh, they encourage you to do a birth search. Did you end up doing that?
1: Yeah, so I actually did. Um, I did. I do know of some parents who aren't as supportive, and I, I don't know what that's like. And I unfortunately know a lot of adoptees who have had to struggle with yeah. that. So mm-hmm. I do know that that my case is not. Um, maybe one of the most common so I'm really grateful actually for the way that my parents have been able to sort of deal with my adoption and always be very supportive in me finding um, my birth family or trying to and not feeling threatened Um, and just always having that be an open source of like communication of if I ever wanted to talk about it Um, so I am in the process still of searching I don't have a lot of information um, I visited my orphanage, I saw my original files, I did a, I did a file review at Holt, they told me they couldn't help me at okay, all. Okay, so you went through Holt? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Holt Korea. So Holt Korea and Holt America are different, so right, I went right. through Holt Korea. Um, yeah, so I went to my orphanage, I went to the police station that I was taken to after I was abandoned. In Seoul? Um, or, so or... In Incheon, yeah, so oh, not far from Seoul. Seoul. Yeah, so actually, I've 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 learned of a few other adoptees who are at the same orphanage. Um, it's pretty big, and it's also Catholic. So you know, hence my ties to the Catholic <laughs>
2: Church, <Yeah. laughs> albeit
1: forced sometimes. But it's been there. Um, so they're still in existence today, as um, an orphanage and sort of a baby home. But they mm-hmm. don't have nearly as many as they used to, which is really good news, I think. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm still in the process. Yeah, okay. Changing. Mm-hmm.
0: all right yeah. well, is there anything uh, you want to kind of tack on to the end of this before we wrap up
1: um well thank you again so much for even asking me and approaching me to be on your podcast no, because thank i you. really i really believe in what you're doing and i really think that just I exposure that. yeah exposure and just like getting starting a conversation no matter what con- kind of conversation yeah and, um is good and just involving um, people at all different um, stages in their in their life and in their involvement with the community is always a good idea. Um, and just that I am only one person and I can only speak for myself and how um, Korea and being adopted has totally shaped who I am. And I'm just, um, yeah, I'm really, um, I've made it into like a positive experience and really grateful for the experiences that I've had. Mm-hmm. And um, also for the community here in Korea, I really it's it, it's not like I'm moving just to a foreign country. You know, Korea is definitely uh, always has an emotional, very emotional piece um, piece to it. So yeah, um, I can't I can't say that I haven't walked around and wondered if like okay, <laughs> wait, do I look like anybody or is, <laughs> am I related to anybody here? Like um, yeah, yeah, it's just like a different thought process It is. <clears throat> that goes through your mind just being here. So I
0: know that feeling um, well. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I would definitely, like, recommend, like, people who are maybe on the verge of, like, oh, I can't get away from work. I've always wanted to visit Korea. You know, it's definitely uh, worth the sacrifice, I think, Who would you
0: recommend that they uh, meet up with while they're over there if they don't have any siblings or if uh, they don't have any mm-hmm. friends that are Yeah,
1: so to go to Koroot's website, um, K-O, it's, it stands for Korean Roots, so K-O-R-O-O-T. Um,
0: I think we we'll just um, Google is, that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And then, like you know, they offer the guest house, and you can stay there for a, a very minimal price. And and for me, not only was it a place to stay, but it was like a family away from home. So actually, they're my sister nice.
0: is Pastor Kim still there in his life?
1: For sure. Oh yeah, 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 God, they're, they're still so awesome. there. So my Pastor sister Kim, and I like. Pastor Kim, if you
0: ever listen to this, you need to raise the yeah. prices. i hate to say that but more than like won a night or whatever it is 15 i think i think
1: it's 15
0: but you get lunch with
1: that yeah and it's it's really a family it's a family away from home so you know you get that experience which is priceless so i think um yeah so corute would be a great place if you're looking for a place to stay um and then goal of course if you're looking for doing a birth search And then Or just um, general
0: networking, I feel like. They're pretty strong. Oh,
1: and and just general networking for sure. And then and then if you Google like the adoptee group in your region or whatever, they can also probably refer refer you to some like individuals who live in Korea, whether it's me or someone else and and you know, maybe one on one is is less scary too. Sure. Um, So, yeah, so, I mean, I always, I love to go out and try new restaurants and stuff, so it's always fun (laughs) to meet up with people and, like, try new, try new things. So, yeah, I'm, I'm open to that as well. So,
0: in Hawaii, it's uh, Kahi, Mm K-A-H-I, and that's Mm -hmm. uh, at what website? Kahi.org or? uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah,
1: Kahi.org.
0: And in uh, New York, it's also known as? Mm -hmm. And then, uh, I think Boston has a Korean group, Boston Korean Adoptees. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Boston. Philadelphia, I think, and, also has a group. I, I'm, okay. I, I just joined it, but I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's yeah, probably called no, no, Philly no, sure. Korean Adoptees or something. But I also yeah. want to encourage people who aren't just Koreans to also look for right, adopting networks right. in their area.
2: For
1: sure. No, and, and then, of course, AAW in, in Seattle and ACAP in Portland and L.A. has a group, I think. You know, in even San Francisco and yep. Florida, and I mean, most of the major cities. I feel like yeah. you can find and somewhere.
0: across the world too. I mean, Korea Club and in Denmark. And, oh uh, yeah, they've all been all going the strong for know, a long France time. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Well,
0: again, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I want to thank you for always being open to meet me. If I, even if I <laughs> use the wrong language to say, "Hey, you want to hook up in Hawaii?" <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sure, sorry. sure, 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 Anytime. Uh, I think I tried. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I just said, hey, do you want to meet up when I came yeah. to Korea? Yeah. But good. I always appreciate That's you meeting good. up with me, and I appreciate you yeah. taking the time out to uh, to do the show.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: All right. This was a lot of fun. Thanks. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right, now was the uh, the interview with Christina Alger. Oh, that was pretty good, and the music was good, provided by uh, Benjamin Coz, the uh, the new tracks laying down there. Other music provided by the Bell over at Needle Drop Records. I want to thank uh, both Christina and Ben for the great interview and for providing tracks. And Ben has graciously allowed us to uh, use these tracks in the future for the podcast. So thank you very much to Ben, and thank you very much, my guest, Christina Alger, today. I really appreciate taking the time. Tune in next week on Sunday when we talk with Holly McGinnis, the founder of also known as and uh, renowned scholar of adoptee issues, as well as just being generally awesome. She's super awesome. All right. If you uh, like the podcast, I encourage you. I I, I please uh, like us on Facebook. Uh, follow me on Twitter at TheRamblerADHD. Uh, The Facebook address is facebook.com slash therambleradhd and uh, please leave a nice review on uh, iTunes and you can search for me in the podcast section, the rambleradhd if you're listening to this, you probably already know that but uh, leave a nice review, leave leave a nice five star review, if you don't like it, then uh, don't leave a review Uh, and also Hey, uh, tell, tell your friends about it, okay? If you got friends who are uh, involved with uh, adoptive organizations, not adoptive organizations, but they want they're seeking some knowledge, uh, maybe point them this way. Uh, if you have any friends who are uh, adoptive parents or prospective adoptive parents or have an adoptive parent group or belong to an adoptive parent group or whatever. You, you can recommend that here, too. I think it'll be easier uh, or at least more accessible than having to go out into the, uh, the cold New York winter or wherever you are uh, to a group and uh, discuss these things. You, you can hear it here, one-on-one. I think it's a good resource. And, again, leave a review on iTunes. It's, it's key, I swear. Uh, and please spread the word because we want to get to as many people as possible. Uh, also, if uh, you're willing to do an interview, if you want to come on the show... I would love to have you. I'd love to interview and sit down and talk with you one-on-one like we have been doing. And uh, you can contact me at therambleradhd at gmail.com. And I'm, hey, even if you don't want to come on the show and you just want to leave a nice piece of email or you want to complain about some uh, facts that I got wrong, then you can do that at that address too or uh, DM me at... Uh, or you can do it publicly too at theramblerhd on twitter.com. Uh, also... Christina wanted me to note that uh, just so we're clear, the address for Koroot is K-O-R-O-O-T dot org O-R-G for their web address. Uh, They're a great resource if you're going to Korea and you need a place to crash for a small while. They're very affordable while you uh, get yourself on your feet if you're thinking about moving over there. Uh, And also the website for uh, Kahi in Hawaii is not Kahi dot org or anything. It's uh. K-A-H-A-W-A-I-I as in Korean Adopties, Hawaii.org. K-A-Hawaii.org so, uh, so so we're clear on that uh, the other the other websites I don't really know anyways I appreciate you taking the time to uh, listen to the podcast this week and we're going to close it out with another one of Ben's tracks so thanks again for listening I uh, look forward to talking to you again next week uh, here's another one from Ben Kaz of A Collective Effort Thanks a lot and uh, talk to you next week.
2: body filled with shells I know you've got the world in front of you Open like a bone But this game will take you at the knees Without a second look Six thousand miles spread overseas Oh world's still so family Right after I fall I know I've got some scrapes and bruises since the last time that we met But I roam these city streets with Kevlar on my chest Both our lives take different place, our blood the same